bald, scarred man with a perpetual angry frown on his face steps back into his lab for the first time in several days, muttering to himself something about wasting time in backwaters with mountains of garbage. He throws his oversized weapon, a grenade launcher by the look of it, on a table off to the side of the lab, knocking over several empty flasks and vials. He winces from the noise but keeps walking around his desk. He drops himself wearily into the ancient Androphan chair that sits there. The two strange, elongated, winged children step into the lab behind him and close the door, looming on either side of it in strange silence. A stack of papers has accumulated on his desk in his absence, reports from all across New America, and a few from the lands beyond. Captain Gartone scratches absently at the scars his face as he leaves through the reports, giving each one only a second or two before judging its contents and putting it off to one side. His gaze lingers on the final report in the stack, the one that's been on his desk for the longest, before he gives up on that page as well. Cartone takes a deep breath. Dozens of geniuses, and each one of them is more useless than the last. It's exhausting. Truly exhausting. He looks up from his desk, using one hand to idly spread the papers out in front of him. Desaulus is still missing, and I assume Shoud hasn't miraculously resurfaced. There are no answers from either of the blank, childlike faces in front of him. Still, Cartoon seems to understand their meaning. He shakes his head. Osmond's like as not to have an aneurysm if one of us doesn't find something promising soon. Call Rassic up from the basement. Perhaps the shadows have been more fruitful than my army of incompetence. The silent child on the right turns, opens the door, and exits. This is Pot Against the Machine. Pot Against the Machine, the only Pathfinder actual play podcast that has wider hips than shoulders. And also, the only podcast that itself has both hips and shoulders. So, you know, that's fun. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Hello. Hello. Howdy, Sam. Howdy. Salutations. Our hips don't lie. And neither do our shoulders. No fighting. That's it. That was the least. Hey, come on, guys. Don't know why we'd be awkward after that totally normal introduction. I, for one, am feeling very soothed. I was like, gonna fight. Makes sense. Well, when last we left our heroes, the newly resurrected. That's how you say that word. Resurrected Vargas chose the very capable four over whatever it was that his erstwhile mother was offering. And uh, the party made some preparations and uh, talked to Dinvaya some and kicked the Kellets to the curb, went to bed. It 
was an unbroken night's sleep, and then they got some healing, tried to fix a gun, and tried to fix two guns, and only one succeeded, and um, went back under the Scrapmaster's arena. And it was not super quiet in Scrapwall, as people seemed to be coming back out from wherever they were hiding, but super quiet under the arena, as the only thing moving was not a mouse, but a chewel. It gave Kira a great big hug, and um, then it got beaten to death, which was mean. Poor Chul. It just wanted to eat, like, everybody alive. But that's where we are now, standing on this walkway with a dead Chul and a non-dead party. Congratulations, non-dead party. I do, uh, when we, it's not worth it, go back um, and just at the moment when Vargas chooses uh, us over them um, if we could edit in like an air horn sound and then have a cannon with confetti yeah I I distribute the time worn lobster bibs to everybody before we crack into this except for Vargas he uh, canonically has a shellfish allergy what does it mean that they're time worn? Is that like a fifty percent? Uh, just roll a D one hundred before you <laughs> before you crack into that. Uh, um, you roll high enough, it it does better than you expected at keeping you clean. It actually makes your clothes cleaner than before you <laughs> put on the like, bed. Wow, it's like freshly laundered. <laughs> if you roll nice. low, then it melts and just is stuck to your clothes. Mm. So, uh, you've got run of the place here. Where where are we going? Is you're jumping down, running around in the lightly radioactive water, having a little beach episode. I hear in beach episode. Good. Who brought watermelon? Yeah, I feel like after, yeah, traditionally after someone dies, you have to beach it mm-hmm. up, right? Well, I can provide tiny, tiny umbrellas. <laughs> well, given the situation when we narrowly survived the last combat, we didn't have a chance to explore to the east. Considering many of our opponents came from that way, it's safe to assume that's the direction we should head next. Although, we didn't really search the room with all these computers. Just real quick, casted mage armor on myself. Was planning to do that initially, but chewed. Got chewed. Yeah, Argus will uh, also cast uh, Defending Bone and just grab some uh, chewed bits and they're like all floating <laughs> around him now. Oh, God. Just a, a cloud of dead seafood. <laughs> That's horrifying. Now he gets a free intimidate check for the rest of the span of defending bone. That I heard two options. Which room are we heading into? Like we check the computer room with all the gore and blood, and then we go to where drags. I don't even know how that name is actually spelled, so I just say it that way. Like Drake's? You guys like Drake's? Um, to, yeah, <laughs> you know. We're going to get sued by Brad Pitt. What? <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Did we ever uh, break the TV in that room? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's a bunch of screens in here, but the uh, one that Hellion was on, you smashed. Okay. Um, since it has been a little bit since you got the description of this room, uh, climbing over the 
corpse of an Etten and um, several orcs along with some tiny smashed beetle robots, you find yourselves in a chamber that's walls are obscured by banks of mechanical devices, flashing lights, and panels displaying rapidly changing uh, messages in an alien script with images and mysterious markings shifting and changing. The air is warm and smells slightly metallic and there's a constant high-pitched drone in here seemingly coming from all of the equipment. Can we... So, that that alien language, is it Indrofen? Or does it look like it's something else? Uh, it, it looks like it's Indrofen, but, um... I mean, you're just basically seeing, like, some kind of diagnostics. Mostly it's saying, like, not found, not found. Or, like, talking about depleted power levels or damage to, you know, some obscure set of coordinates that don't, doesn't mean a lot mm-hmm. to you. It's just, it's just like a constantly changing like status readout of basically something that's in bad shape. Uh, maybe we do a quick search of this room. Do the terminals merit like a knowledge engineering, or are we looking at it more of a perception at this point? You can do either one. All right, well, I feel like my skills are probably better suited for the whole knowledge engineering thing, so I'm going to do that on the terminals right now. Same. But I only roll a 5 for an 18. Oh, I only rolled a 5 for a 16. Oof. Well, if we're okay with just a regular perception, uh, uh, 24. Vargas rolling anything? We look under the keyboards, given our success last time, and find another keycard. So, um, with inspecting these devices... Um, you do find under a keyboard somebody has left an ancient, tattered square of yellow paper stuck to it that just says an Androphin Love 1234. Um, <laughs> very, very secure. But, um, I mean, it doesn't seem like these things are particularly responsive. It doesn't seem like there's really anything you can do um, with the devices. They're just in a constant loop of just displaying like failure after failure and like the bad sorry state of whatever it is that you're in. Are those tubes anything? It looks like tubes near the bank of workstations. Strange tubes, but it's just all part of the same thing. All this strange computing equipment. Asher will touch one of the tubes. It's confirmed tube touch. And it explodes and he dies. Again, man. And it's warm to the touch and is like ever so subtly vibrating. Like it's there's energy constantly running through it, but you just can't tell what it is it's doing. Hmm. I like to spend an inordinate amount of time repairing the the flying robots and reprogramming <laughs> them to be our drone army. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> the door at the end of that hallway was left open after everyone and their mother squeezed through at the climax of the last fight. So there's there's no door to check there or anything. And head on in. As you cross through this hallway, you're in a large room where the air is warm and stuffy and is buzzing with a similar energy. Countless blinking lights, wriggling shapes, and unusual strings of Androphen writing wriggle across glass panels mounted on the walls, amid a dizzying array of buttons, switches, dials, wheels, levers, and other controls, the function of which one can only guess. Six immense pillars, 
lined with glowing panels, support the ceiling 11 feet above, and a semicircular platform to the east sits under a slowly rotating semi-transparent image of a curious contraption with long arms, one of which ends with what appears to be an immense slowly spinning disc. Beyond this, two windows look out over a metal platform, which in turn looks out over an immense damp cavern lit by brilliant beams of light emanating from some unseen sources below and above. Rubble clutters the room's floor here and there, as if pieces of furniture were once affixed to the ground that had long since been torn free, while to the northeast the room's walls have buckled downward into a crumbled mass of devastation. Does this table seem like the one that we encountered earlier underneath the arena where Hellion appeared? Yeah, this um, table with the slowly rotating image of the thing with the huge wheel on it, it it looks like the holographic projector that um, Hellion appeared on um, a floor above. So would Brixby get a uh, circumstance bonus on disabling this because he's already disabled one? Ooh. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, I'm just saying because that was what I wanted to do. And before any bonuses are there, not even calling this high-tech or mechanical, I roll a 12 for a 26. Well, calling it high-tech or mechanical, and um, considering that Brixby is now an expert at disabling these holographic devices, he manages to shut it down and the picture disappears. Excellent work. You're getting quite adept at this. Thank you. They always told me I was wasting my time those six months at Radio Shack, but I said life skills. I've sort of put yellow dots where there are doors because I didn't leave door icons on this particular map, and it may be hard to tell. That's a lot of doors. It's a big room, you know? Are they on? Huh, I'm not seeing them. So you mentioned windows out into a cavern. Is there any evidence from these windows of the digging we've heard about? I don't know if the angle would be right to see it, but... Um, it's hard to see the ground. You can see down into a cavern, and it looks like everything around is the sort of... The, the general collapse of scrap wall, but it does look like there's sort of fresh evidence of stuff being cleared away. Does any anything besides the hollow table look like machinery that we could, could like engage with at all? Do you want us to roll a knowledge engineering? Yeah, if you'd like. Yes, I always like. Yeah, there's like, um, like, looks like terminals down there that you can mess with and stuff. Alright, then is a 12 for a 25. Yeah, I think with a 25, uh, Brixby is able to at least get one of these two terminals towards the center of the room to react to <laughs> his prodding and button pressing. And uh, the first thing that shows up on the screen is uh, that same picture again that was just floating in 3D a moment before. And um, it looks like a sort of schematic. This looks like a big, big machine uh, with some kind of huge wheel on the end, just like constantly rotating. And that's not your grandpa's Tonka truck. knowledge engineering or craft mechanical to try and ascertain anything other than it look dig um yeah if you want to roll a knowledge engineering uh to sort of take in the specifications of what you're looking at 
How about a natural 18 for a 29? This is definitely a, a vehicle of some sort. You can see it's got kind of treads on one end and it's got wheels that support these gigantic wheels that seem like grinders or something, some kind of demolition equipment. But looking over the measurements that are provided and sort of trying to parse the Androphin and, and make sense of it in your mind, this vehicle that you're looking at is, it's gotta be 400 feet long. It's just enormous. Wow. But we don't see any indication of this vehicle anywhere, right? Like looking out. Are we in it? Yeah, I wonder if we are. Well, um, maybe we should pick a door, set of doors, and start a busting. That one, the south-ish. Wait, what am I doing? I'm not going first. <laughs> nope. Canonically, you already have. <laughs> you already have. Okay. <laughs> it's that quick dip Ran game. right through the door. Vargas just opens this door. He doesn't check if we're trapped or anything. Nope, he just... just flings it open. Got a new lease on life. <laughs> very short-term lease. Uh, flinging the door to the southern kind of central room open, you find a very small room that is just loaded up with um, junk and, like, just leftover equipment. It looks like that's just storage. The eight perception find anything interesting in there? Um, you find that you want to start throwing open more doors, but make sure you're farther away from the party next time. It's a 13 for a 25 perception in the tiny room. It looks like there's not anything of value in here. All right. Jerome brought up a good point. I'm going to check the next door to the south for traps. With right, give me that roll. A perceptione. Oh, there's the low roll. That's a 2 for a 14. <laughs> if it's... High tech or mechanical, it's 15. It seems safe, but it is locked with a green key card. Um, I'm, I'm feeling flirty. He's going to slide the green key card himself, being up front. Well, you get the familiar boop, and the door slides into the recesses, never to be heard from again. And the room beyond is a small room. It looks like the eastern half of the room is some sort of workshop with all manner of metalworking tools hanging from the walls over junk-strewn tables. To the west, there's a sagging cot sitting against a partially crumpled metal wall next to a two-foot-tall metal cabinet. Dozens of empty tubes from which strange fluids drip lie in a heap atop the chest. It looks like a partially completed and crudely constructed mechanical orc, marionette, or machine slumps against the metal cage-like frame at the foot of the cot. Tell me about these tools. Are they the kind one needs, or would make one like are they like mass equivalent of like a masterwork crafting tool or any kind? Nah, these are more crappy work, crappy tools. <laughs> Crafter work. I mean, you can roll like knowledge engineering on the stuff you see. But the tools themselves don't look like anything special. What a tremendously timely and certainly valuable usage of my only nat 20 uh, for a 31 engineering. (laughs) Wow. Well, with a 31 knowledge engineering, you can tell that this um, item here, whatever it is, the, the construct is poorly built and 
just honestly, there was no chance that this mechanical thing was going to be a functioning robot anytime soon. It looks like whoever it was that was doing the projects in here was not competent in engineering. It was just sort of tinkering. Hmm. Looks like somebody was, you know, doing their best, and that's okay, but whatever they were attempting here, it never would have functioned the way they certainly would have hoped it would. Brixby gives a disapproving look at the poorly, shoddily put-together mechanical orc before leaving the room. Roll for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> there is a, a, also a second exit to that room, and there was that cabinet with drippy doodles on top of it. That's right. Craft alchemy on the drippy doodles? Go for it. Okay. A 21. Blackjack. You are looking at the jackpot of 12 goo tubes and two vials of cure-all. What's that? A dose of cure-all allows the target to attempt an additional saving throw against a single disease or poison effect currently afflicting him. This additional saving throw counts for the total number of successful saves needed to recover from the disease or poison. If the target is suffering from multiple afflictions, a single dose of cure-all works against only the effect with the highest save DC. Cure-all also restores 1d4 points of ability damage or 1 point of ability drain that has been inflicted by a disease or poison, even if the user doesn't succeed at the save. A dose cures any ability drain before curing ability damage. If the target is suffering from drain or damage to multiple ability scores, the cure-all cures the score with the most damage or drain or randomly selects one. It cures drain? Yeah. It cures one point of drain. Nice. Well, I am certainly excited to discover these new Gutu flavors. <laughs> I'm also pleased that, well, given our lack of healing skills outside of Denvaya and my own meager magics, we have a couple useful elixirs here. Cool menthol nacho. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, it's not a flavor I've seen before. I wonder if this is limited edition. Yes, it, it very well may be. <laughs> I'm not sure whether I'd want to try that first or the limoncello lengua. <laughs> a party on your tongue, am I right? Hey, hey. Hey, only one way to find out. Now, uh, what about this door? <laughs> your friend Brixby here with a... 19 for his perception, 20 if it's high-tech or mechanical. Uh, is that for the door on the east or the cabinet? Oh, I meant the door to the east. I wasn't thinking about the cabinet. Uh, the door to the east uh, appears to be uh, untrapped. I guess I'll also check the cabinet? No, that, forget about nope. the cabinet. Doesn't Too bad, you already said it. Oh, it's there's, 29. There's no cabinet... That's um, weirdly with the twenty-nine. The cabinet was a figment of your imagination, and um, it doesn't appear to be trapped, but it is definitely locked with a green keycard. Well, scoot. Whatever that sound is, we'll put a better sound in in post. Scoot. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's the drop now. That's, that's the one. That's the yeah. sound of technology. I was going to say, the sound in post is isolating that, and that's the sound for every single door opening from now on. 
We're going to edit it in to all the previous episodes, too. <laughs> Patreon content. All right, and he runs that through. <laughs> the um, cabinet clicks open. If you open the door, it looks like there's a hefty pile in there. There's a uh, dagger hanging up on the side of it. There's also a heap of silver discs, a pouch with uh, gemstones in it. Looks like there's an e-pick in there, but it looks a lot nicer than Brixby's. And there's also a weird thing that I have don't have the description for. Let's say I'm detecting magic. Um, the dagger appears to be magical, and the other item uh, looks like a weird bulky bracelet with lights on it. Alright, pop those bad boys out. And, uh, I guess we'll try an old spellcraft on these, I guess. I don't know if you want to try. It's Vargas that has this too, right? Not Kira? Uh, yeah, I have spellcraft. Very cool. Ooh, buddy. That's a 2 for a 12 for Brickspell. Probably do a little bit better. Okay, that is a 19. 10 on the die. Uh, with a 19, you can tell that you're looking at a pretty nice little dagger. It's a plus one icy burst dagger. We should give that to Kira so she's got a one-arm, one-handed weapon if she gets grappled again. Uh, I'll take it. Jeffrey, are you going to say something? No, that's exactly what I was going to suggest. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Roll knowledge engineering, though, on that dope bracelet. Uh, 21. With a 21, you're looking at a hard light shield. Time-worn, though it may be, this bulky bracelet is covered with blinking blue lights and pulsing holographic emitters. A hard light shield produces a translucent but substantial holographic barrier when activated. The shield bonus counts as a force effect and applies to the wielder's touch AC against beam and ray attacks, but not other touch attacks. As a transparent force effect, a hard light shield provides no bonus against lasers. Hard light shield can be used to deliver shield bash attacks like a heavy shield. When turned off, the hard life shield produces no AC bonus and poses no spell failure chance. Activating it is a move action, occupies a wrist slot, and provides a plus two AC bonus as a shield. So that's sort of like, uh, there's a ring that's kind of like that too, isn't there? Like a shield ring or something that's the there's same kind of... There's a ring of force shield, but that's a little different. I mean, I think that, I mean, regardless, I think that would be a good fit for you, Akira. Because neither of you have, like, wrist slot items, right? Yeah, and I don't have anything giving me a shield bonus unless I prepare and cast shield, which I never do because I have fewer slots. Totally. Unless Kira wants it. Was... Mm, go for it. It does have a 10% arcane spell failure chance when active. Yeah, which that's not So terrible. is it a move to uh, deactivate as well, or is it free? It doesn't say. Okay. Um and it uses one charge a minute and has a, 11 charges left on this time-worn item. And was it always a plus? Is the plus two AC that only against the ray attacks or is it a plus two? Uh, it's, a, it's a plus two shield bonus, um, but it also buffs your touch AC in those specific cases. Oh, okay. So the shield bonus for always, the touch for the specifics. Gotta get it. 
the last thing in the bottom of this locker is a um, basically a metal binder loosely stuffed with all manner of papers. Mm, what's in here? Yeah, sure, I'll pick up the binder. Get a paper cut. More sonnets. Like a fortitude suit. <laughs> I'd imagine there's a sticker on the front that says Kolgar's, Kolgar's Journal Do Not Read. <laughs> <laughs> she said she didn't like stickers. No. It's a label. <laughs> she says from it's the It's a label. Grade. I assume you just throw that away because it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah, no, we burn it. Okay, I picked it up it. on purpose so that I could just like power move, just drop it and walk away. He rips it in half because he's been working on ripping like <laughs> phone books in half. Even with the metal cover, that's really impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Asher is impressive. Especially with my strength nine. Yeah. <laughs> Asher will open the cover of the notebook, but refuse to look at it. No, please tell me what's in the pages. It just says Miss Kolgara Hellion over and over and over. <laughs> Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that and a lot of like drawings of dolphins and um, ponies jumping over rainbows, which really gives Kira the sense that this was a kindred spirit and really a missed opportunity, I think, for friendship. I mean, it would have been if she hadn't, you know, gone out with the dying words that stickers are stupid, was it? I guess it wasn't technically dying. It was ahead of time. But um, most of what you see in here is um, like tactical information in nature. It looks like she was tracking numbers of troops and like lieutenants under her command, possible travel routes over Numeria, mostly with designs on like marching on Starfall itself, uh, with the entire army somehow moving as one big unit. These notes there are heavily revised and it looks like the names Mayanda, Marrow, and Bird Food and others have been struck out with like increasingly um, thick lines as she's pushing harder and harder on the paper and the number of available troops and groups is just adjusted down and down and down. And uh, also in here, there are lists of possible places to look for supplies, uh, possible sources for batteries, generators, diamond dust, and uh, potential sympathizers to the cause. Uh, There are designs for small strike teams and Uh, As you get on through the pages, there are very crude drawings of each member of the Very Capable Four just looking totally, totally dead at Kolgara's hands. Uh, She's like holding the chainsaw over (laughs) each of your corpses several times throughout the pages. It seems like maybe you struck a nerve with her at some point. That's visualization. (laughs) I support it. Uh, once you get past the sort of army leader stuff, she's gotten a bit more philosophical further back in the binder. And it looks like she's written about Hellion himself, how he was born from a god of some kind from beyond the stars, an impossibly powerful ancient being who dwells in the Silver Mountain, growing in there like in a giant egg waiting for its time to emerge and ascend, how there could be no greater threat to life on Galarian than what sits inside that mountain. She talks of how Hellion means to strike at the Silver Mountain, crack open the egg with the massive weapon buried under scrap wall, take the mantle of power from the god who grows there, and ascend himself to his rightful throne. She talks some of an older sister Hellion has spoken of, 
who escaped from the source before he was born. The sister who stole something of great value from this source and could be a wonderful servant. She's written with like genuine hate about this source, this being as a mad tyrant with a moral structure and logic completely alien to our own. As she slips back sort of into the tactical, her notes detail the search for Hellion's sister as the best possible ally in their war against whatever it is that lies below the Silver Mountain. She meant, or means, or I guess meant because she doesn't mean anything now, to deploy a force to a town called Idenvey as soon as possible. But with Meanda gone, she was finding it difficult to assemble a suitably competent party. She also doesn't know where in Idenvey the goddess is. She seems to be more shy than Hellion. And at the very back of the book, there are schematics that you've just seen of the giant piece of construction equipment. And there's another set of schematics. I'll pop an image up for you of a 10 foot long arachnid like robot with pinching claws and a huge weaponized tail. Here's a second view of it. Kind of looks like Robo Kingsley. Oh, no. That's what you see. <laughs> This is what Kingsley becomes at level seven, right? Yeah. <laughs> so Hellion is definitely going to fight us with that thing, right? <laughs> like, this is going to be freaking Metal Gear Solid. Does uh, any of Kolgar's writings say uh, the sister's name? Hellion's sister's name? Uh, it doesn't look like she wrote a name anywhere. Guess we'll just have to ask him. It's love, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Cracked the secret. Hmm. Asher's like flipping through these pages. Hellion doesn't like eggs or mountains. He left something on the mantle. And he has a sister, apparently. And, well, Kogar meant to go to Iadenve, Aidenve, soon. Apparently, that's where Hellion's sister is a goddess who might be shy. She also wanted to kill us, which we knew. You look at her artwork here. It's, it's kind of adorable, but look how pointy she made Vargas's shoulders. They're so broad. Wow. <laughs> she really hated you. It's almost comical in <laughs> how inaccurate it is compared to the real thing. Can we at least roll a knowledge local on Iadenve? Idenve? Yeah. Yeah. I've Idenve. I've literally only seen this in a Pathfinder Tales story before, so. Yeah, I I googled how do you pronounce it, and the consensus seemed to be Idenve, so I'm going cool right. with that. Well, I'd uh, roll a 13. That's what I got. 17 for Asher. I got a natural 20. Natural 20? Plus, plus 2? Plus 2? Plus 2. 22! Well, it makes sense that Kira would know the most about Idenve, even though she'd never been there. But it's, um, it's in Numeria. It's off in the southern um, end uh, near the upper reaches of the Dagger River and uh, near the Echo Wood. It's kind of a... It's a pretty weird place as far as Numeria goes. It's a reclusive, isolated town of woodsmen and hunters, uh, very dedicated to the worship of Erastel and like very anti-technology so yeah i mean they are pretty openly defiant to the technic league but the technic league also kind of ignores them because they don't have anything of value to them 
I've never heard of this Technic League. Is that like the Technics League? It, it's like that. <laughs> Similar. Um, yeah, Kira will share that information with the group. I've never been there, but my mom told me a story about it once. It's kind of weird. They they don't like stuff like Vargas doesn't. Um, they're not scared. They just don't like it. And also think that's all the things that I remember from what Sam was saying. So I'm just going to trail off. From this, this eastern door, though. Is it filled with, like, the name of Hallion's sister? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, other... it's got such name in it. Vargas just blasts through the door. <laughs> I, for Vargas. some reason, the other two... Oh, because we were on top of them. So I just saw me and Kira, and I'm like, when I was tabbed away looking at this shield that doesn't work in Hero Lab, did the other two already walk out? Because <laughs> I couldn't see them because they were under our tokens. <laughs> um... Well, stepping out that door puts you out on a sort of balcony overlooking these, this oh. cave. And you can see far down below over the edge of the balcony, just barely sticking out of the dirt below are these gigantic treads. And we are, we're in the digger. Sky, sky metal? Yeah, who sky was metal. it that said that we were in the ex- excavator? It was me. Well, Jeff, you get a Sky Medal. Nice. And for the first time ever, your Sky Medal comes with a message from one of our patrons. Oh, I'm so honored. Have fun. Nice. I hope you're ready for this. I hope our patrons are ready to send in more because we do not have enough. May this keep the magic smoke in your tech items and release it from enemy robots. And that is from Rain and Daft of To Have and To Roll. Thank you, Rain and Daft, for your support. Thank you. Magic smoke. And uh, this catwalk heads over to the north. It stops at this giant metal scaffolding that disappears into the rubble ahead of you. And to the south, it looks like it wraps around and there's another door uh, down there. It looks like there's sort of a makeshift bed out there on the ground uh, for something big. Bro, a nat one for a 13 for perception, but it's a 14 if it's mechanical or high tech. You're pretty sure this is a door. You're also pretty sure it's locked with a gray key card. Oh, you know what I didn't ask was, uh, tell me about those e-picks. Oh, yeah. The e-pick that you found has a green stripe on it. Ooh, sick. So, uh, that is a substantially better bonus. Is it time-worn or anything, or is it... It is not time-worn. Good to rock that one forever. Um, so the door um, seems safe, and it seems locked. Alright. Um, well, I'm just gonna slide the green key card again, then. Insert Zach's uh, door opening noise here. Oh, no. The door opens, and um, it reveals a small room like loaded up with junk with a a dirty bedroll lying on the ground and um a humanoid man with um tanned skin who is very dirty and disheveled looking in a cloak pops to his feet the instant the door opens and he looks absolutely just like shocked and terrified he goes oh hey you're not you're not her you're not her! Brixby nudges Asher a little bit. He's like, you know, the um, talking to hostages and fearful people is your thing. Ah, yes, well, 
Um, hello. Uh, neither of us are female. You've correctly ascertained our gender identities. My name's Asher, he, him pronouns. Uh, who might you be, and what are you doing in here? Are you being held captive? Um, he <laughs> takes a deep breath and, um, sort of <laughs> looks over the lot of you to just, sort of, like, take a second and, and calm himself down. He's like, you're not, you're not with the, the Lords of Rust at all, right? You, you're not them? No, we're, we're well on our way to seeing that they are the Lords of Dust. As in, because we've been uh, defeating them rather soundly. We're still workshopping that. No, I, I, I got it. It would, it would work better if they were undead. But yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty. Um, I'm Nolek. Uh, they locked me up in here a while ago. Um, the, he holds out a hand and like, it, like he's counting on his fingers, and he goes, "I'm not sure that." They haven't fed me, um, in, like, four days. Um, nobody's been in. If you have any food, that would be great. There's 132 goo tubes. Mm -hmm. Asher will, uh, hand over, well, he'll toss a goo tube in there and say, I'm curious, Nolak, what prompted them to keep you alive rather than, well, killing you like they've done so many? Do you have information they were trying to obtain or were you being used as leverage? Well, and he, he takes a second, unscrews the cap and just absolutely houses the goo tube. Just, it's a little gross. But he gets every drop out of there. And he <laughs> takes a deep breath and <laughs> drops it on the ground. And you can see behind him there's a broken Hellion monitor hanging on the wall. They destroyed my, my spell book except for um, this one spell. And he, he grabs a spellbook-looking thing off the ground that almost all the pages have been torn out of. They've been having me um, charge... They had me charge some batteries, but... I, I mean, that takes um, component... You need components for it. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't know. They just wanted me to charge batteries, I guess. All this time, they've been using you as some sort of energizer. Yeah, I mean, they, they stopped coming, though. Uh, well, you mentioned components. What sort of components did they need? And he'll toss another goo tube. It's like, uh, hey man, we're cool. Ah, uh, it's a, uh, well, for recharge, you need, um, you need diamond dust. Kind of like what, what clerics do. It's really kind of dumb that it costs that much just to charge a battery, but, uh, you know. What can you do? And that makes sense why there is notes about where to find diamond dust. Mm -hmm. It's all coming together. Does anybody want to make a perception check? I would love to. Well, Thank since you you've think. asked. It's so <laughs> fun. Yeah. Dirty 20. Oh, never mind. <laughs> I'd like to say clean 20. Oh, wait. What did Zach get? Clean 20 for a solid 32. Oh, that beats mine out. Uh, I got a nine. Nice. Well, I think everybody... But Vargas notices, maybe as he's leaning down to grab that second YouTube and his robes just shift slightly, he's wearing uh, this pendant that looks like a, a black gear with a white triangle inside it. And um, 
He, he picks the goo tube up and unscrews it and, and eats it again. And then he just says, um, <laughs> I gotta say, I, I, I thought I was gonna die in here. They stopped coming. I thought they were just done with me. So, wait, um, no, no. They no, found no, a better. Quick. How does that goo tube taste? Does it taste good to you? Um, and he looks down at the goo tube and it is cinnamon. The flavor is, no, it's it's Kansas City barbecue mango steam and that tastes good to you, yeah? <laughs> His eyes go wide. It's, uh, it wouldn't it's taste fine. better, say, if it was manufactured south of where it was manufactured originally. <laughs> well, everybody knows Texas barbecue is the best barbecue. <laughs> right. Roll for initiative, Sam. <laughs> uh, also, brutal. he is so lucky that uh, the only person that failed that perception check is the only person among the group who would immediately have attempted to kill him, regardless of how much info he had. <laughs> so they captured you here. Were you living in Scrabble, one of the locals? Asher will say surreptitiously, having seen the pendant. Um, I mean, I haven't lived here for for super long, but I mean, I I um joined up with them a little ways back. It, it seemed like they were running the place, and I, you know, at some point I just made the wrong person mad, and Kogara threw me in here. Yes, it's sad that sometimes you start off at the top and. Even the brightest star can fall. Hmm? Blinks at you several times. Asher blinks back. <laughs> so, um, are we good here? Can I, can I go? I mean, you guys, you got, you got stuff to do, right? I mean, we, we do have some tasks to attend to. You, you're certainly correct about that. I do wonder, and Asher would kind of take a step into the room and just uh just ask him in a rather a little quieter voice were you here in scrapple on official league business or was this a pleasure trip perhaps and i'll roll a diplomacy it's only a 19 total yeah, he's um i think he's gonna do a a sense motive on asher here to see if he thinks Asher has ill intentions based on his demeanor. Now, does Asher have ill intentions? Is he disguising ill intentions? <laughs> no, um, Asher it was just immediately suspicious. He's not from these parts. He's only heard the bad things of the League. And he does... Uh, his conversations with Totally For Real, his name's Connor... Uh, and hearing like what at least that one Gartone was doing, uh, you could say it dropped him from uh, indifferent to unfriendly. But even his unfriendly is probably nicer than most people's unfriendly. He's not openly hostile, but he is. Uh, he his opinion his. He's questioning this person's motives now, for sure, and is just trying to get to the bottom of that. He hasn't, like, drawn a weapon. He's just yeah. looking for info. And I, I think um, 
he like leans in kind of confidentially and he lowers his voice and he goes like look I mean you do what what you gotta do right I, it's it's just a job right Ash will roll his own sense motive uh, 18 I get the feeling that it really is just a job to this person he seems uh, to be yeah Seems to be being honest. This town's gone through quite a bit. Sort of changing of leadership around these parts. It would be unfortunate if news of anything you may have seen here were to bring any more attention to this town. I think perhaps you didn't see anything out of the ordinary beyond the normal scrap. Not and he says, um, listen, um, I don't know what your whole situation is. I'm, I'm coming into this, you know, I've, I've been locked underground for for a while now, but um, I I don't have any problem with you, and I um, I don't have any loyalty to Hellion. I just, you know, I I just a guy who gets paid a buck to gather information. I, I never have to say a word about seeing any of you as far as I know none of you were here. That's fair and fine to me. I am not trying to come across intimidating so much as coming to an understanding. That's all good and well. I think that sounds like we understand one another. Kara from the back is uh, just I, I can be intimidating if if that's what's needed. So I have a plus five bonus with a chainsaw. So just, um... <laughs> Asher will chuckle. Oh, no, I don't think that's going to be necessary. We're all friends here. And, uh, yeah. It's a 17 bluff if you're wanting to sense Asher's motive. <laughs> uh, he's very visibly nervous. Yes, he's gone through enough. What with the spell book and the energizer just going and going and going. Let's let this man back to his life and as much as we know goo tubes are both nutritious and delicious, perhaps solid food would do him well. Mm-hmm. Good luck with your solid food and being a totally upstanding citizen. Yes, and as you head back to where you originally came from, keep an eye out for the dastardly Technic League there. Uh, all over the place around here. You can't be too careful. You never know who may be a member of the League. Those guys suck. <laughs> you totally give Vargas the side eye and a sort of like, yeah. Um, on, on your way out, though, no, like... Is this really the only place you've been so far? Uh, have you seen any more of this structure before you forget? I mean, I, I haven't been any deeper in. Um, I haven't been through the, the caves or anything. I, I, uh, when they caught me, I was going through uh, Kolgara's stuff. But um, she's got a lot of interesting information in there and um, stuff that you know, 
A lot of people want to know. Who wants to know, friend? Now look over at Brixby, kind of peering around Vargas, or peering around Asher, rather. And he says, uh, you didn't hear this from me, but there's a captain in the Technic League, uh, Gartone, that's who I work for. He's, um, he's got all of us out here looking for something. A, a stolen artifact, a, a neurocam. I, I, I think, based on what, what I, I saw in Kolgara's office, that, uh, that sister they're talking about is, uh, just a woman named Cassandra Lee, who stole it from, well, in the Silver Mountain. So I, I think I know where the Neurocam is. How would you feel about using that information as, say, a bargaining chip? Like, if I knew someone who maybe really didn't like you, and you were like, I will tell you where this chip is, and that person was like, okay, cool, you can stay alive. Hypothetically. Um, <laughs> he goes, uh, I mean, if I, have to, I, I don't have to hold any anything back from you, I, I'll... I'll tell you anything I know if it means I walk out of here. And I'm not your enemy. You're not my enemy. You said you worked for Gartone. Is this the same Gartone that in the past kidnapped and experimented on dozens of Kellid children? I don't know anything about that. I, I just go where they tell me to go and look for information. Well, I'd recommend that you get yourself a new job. In fact, I'd say that after you tell my companions here everything that they need to know to find out about this neural whatever it is, that you will promise us that you will never go back to Gartone or the League. Otherwise, you're not leaving this place alive. And, um... I don't think you even need to roll an intimidating <laughs> check on that. He's, um, I mean, this guy is is pre-cowed. Yeah. And he's also a wizard with no spellbook yeah. and no yeah. rest and no and food. Vargas remembers <laughs> what, what Connor said about the stuff yeah. Cartone got up to. Like, he would not let that slide. Like, this guy is not going back to tell that guy the kind of stuff that Hellion's been doing. Like, that is the last person that needs to know about any of this. Uh, he'll say, uh, "All right, I'll walk away. I just, it's just you gotta let me." But I, absolutely, I won't go back to Starfall. I'll, I'll leave Numeria. I'll go, I don't know, someplace warmer. Just anywhere but here. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I'm not, I'm not loyal to them. It's just a job. Uh, Thirteen cents motive. Anybody else get a better one than that? Eighteen. With the. Uh, 13 Vargas definitely thinks that this guy is scared enough that he's um, absolutely telling the truth. He will basically do anything that you say. Um, and I think Asher gets mostly the same impression that, like, maybe there's a little bit of hesitance in his voice, but at the same time, he, he doesn't seem like he's going to defy anybody. He seems like he's going to run away. And this. Cassandra, you're, you're absolutely certain that's the name of Hellion's sister. I mean, I'm jumping through some some logical hoops uh, to get there, but I, I know that Gartone is looking for an android named Cassandra Lee who stole a neurocam from inside the Sil Silver Mountain from 
I, I don't know. I mean, deeper than anybody else has gone. That I, I'm pretty sure that it's the same one that the alien calls a sister. You say you know where this device is, the neurocam. According to Kolgar's research, she uh, she fled to Idenvay, so and that that's where I look. Yes, we've. We must go there after we finish this. And Asher looks sort of out of sorts. Hard to really figure out which one was the favorite between Hellion and Cassandra Lee. Can't really tell which which one the parents kind of, you know. <laughs> if, yeah. if that's, if Hellion named himself. I mean, no, of course. They're, they're computers, I don't know. I mean, it could have been like Cassandra <laughs> Lee and like Cassandra Steve. Cassandra B. And he's like, changed it to Hellion? The legend of Cassandra Steve. We changed it in the ninth century. I wonder if we're not even going to find a blood ghost and tatter lady here. Because didn't we, when we uh, first, there was somebody that we talked to. I feel like it was some other random prisoner we took at some point that mentioned that like Kolgara was raising a force to send somewhere and now we see both from her diary and from this guy that like she's also so I'm wondering if she's already sent people out to what was it I what was the town called again Idenvay what do you know of this neurocam artifact what was it supposedly able to do? Why is Gartone searching for it other than I hear the League doesn't want anyone else to have technology beyond them? Well, the the Neurocam is a, it's an amazing piece of technology that, that the League has um, a few of them there like a, a helmet but they can store like they could or the absurd amount of knowledge in them, then we think that there could be uh, no limit of, of information on, on what's actually inside the Silver Mountain. There could be maps, there could be diagrams, there could be lists of, of artifacts from beyond where where anyone, even um, even Zido, uh, has been able to get. It's, um, it's potentially the the most valuable item on Galarian. Then who? Zido? Dido? The, the Zido. Osman Zido. The, the, you know, the head of the Technic League. Mm. I heard he won't go down with his ship. Um, and I think that anyone who's been keeping abreast of the, the Technic League or the goings-on in Nomeria, that name sounds wrong. The leader of the Technic League is is a woman, and it's her name is Zernabeth, not not Osman Zido. Hmm. Huh. Anybody have history? I don't. Let me look. I oh, do yes, not. I do. I have a plus five in history. Uh, fourteen. I mean, with a fourteen, you you know that and there's a lot of turnover and violence and one-upsmanship amongst the technically captains, but as far as you've heard, uh, Zernabeth, uh, the Winter Witch, has been the leader of the League for years. 
So I wonder if there was like a recent coup or something and they kept it under wraps. They made, they kept it from being like widely known. Saito, you say. I'll admit I'm not from these parts, but the last I had heard, and I know little of the League, is that Zernabeth was the leader. Has power changed hands recently? He goes, well, the, I mean, I don't know when exactly it is, but I mean, Osmond's, he's in charge. He, uh, I mean, he went deeper into the, the Silver Mountain than anyone's ever gone, and that's kind of a, you get a, a lot of respect from, from doing something like that, and then he's, he's powerful, he's got the loyalty of you know, a lot of the captains, I don't know, he, he's the boss, he's, he's who Gartone answers mm-hmm. to anyways. I see. Interesting. That's certainly useful information. Well, he'll, Asher will look to Brixby, Kira, and a little more nervously at Vargas <laughs> uh, regarding this man's well-being. I can't think of anything else to, to question him on. And he'll kind of rub his forehead a little bit. Um, do any of you have questions for him? I think maybe after the mention of it, Vargas will step up and say, The Black Sovereign, the League, they serve Kevath Kool. They're not equal partners. I mean, they, they serve him in, in name only. He's, uh, he's not in any state to give anybody orders, really, these days. He's a... Uh... Oh, he went the way of Drooly Julie, as they say. <laughs> Who says that? Vargas will just look at him. What What do you mean he went the way of Drooly Julie? He's, he's all hopped up on the fluids. He's out of his head. Kevath Cool. The Black Sovereign is a Numerian fluid junkie. <laughs> he, um, like backs away a little bit even though there's not really anyone anywhere for him to go and he goes yeah I mean I think he's been that way for a long time he's gonna be kind of shocked by this because like that is not the guy that he remembers <laughs> like he does not like cool on a personal level but like he respects him as like a military leader among the Kellids, and I think that's just kind of hard for him to swallow that he's a drug addict. Yeah, I mean, I think Vargas would know him as like, an absurdly skilled warrior. Yeah. Like, one of one of the best fighters on the planet. Yeah, no, like, he's the kind of guy that, like, and, like, it's actually something, a little bit of a spoiler for an intro I've never cut yet, uh, their first meeting was basically cool handing him his butt in a fight <laughs> and saying you work for me now pretty much like he re- thinks of this guy as like ridiculously effective leader like the idea that he's like Julie Julie is kind of nuts I think uh, especially with this new <laughs> info which uh, I as a player also think is kind of real interesting to hear uh, because that changes what I was assuming is something that's going to happen later on because now it sounds like we probably won't ever get a fight against him. I assumed he would be a future boss at some point. (laughs) Um, We can still fight him. Yeah, Yeah, I guess uh, what's-his-name was, uh, yeah, Sandville was a fluid junkie. (laughs) 
we don't uh, yeah, but I feel like that kind of threw him through a loop, so I think he's not thinking too much about, like, what to do with that. He's more mulling over the fact that his old boss is a drug addict. F. F's in the chat for Kiboth Cool. Not cool, man. We need to send some dare people his way. So we can let him go? Yeah, did anybody else have any other questions? Yeah, I think we're good. So we throw him over the edge down into the tire track. <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. Best That's it. Luck. The 300-style kick at his back that Vargas is known to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't really love to say we let the Technic League agent go, but, I mean, Brixby doesn't have particularly super strong feelings about the Technic League besides, like, he thinks technology belongs to everyone, but... Yeah, I think the thing Vargas would be the most worried about is from what he's heard about Garcon... Or Gartone. Garcon. Uh, from what he's heard about the maitre d', he doesn't want him to have the kind of information he would have from somebody who's been working under this super powerful AI for the last several months. Like, So as long as he's got his word that he's not helping him, I think we're good. Well, I I always just assume, or like I have assumed that we are letting him go under the express like understanding that we are going to change what's going on down here significantly enough mm-hmm. that no matter what exists technologically or whatever, it'll yeah. either be destroyed or ours. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe that is <laughs> a bold assumption. Like technology but. is for the people, but us first. Technology is for the people, and we're people, so <laughs> and we are people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want this giant mech tank. Yeah, I want this spider machine. thing that we saw the <laughs> things yeah, of it. That thing's got a driver's seat cute. in it. I love it. Um, so I think Nolak is going to basically start edging um, between you guys and the wall, just sort of squeeze his way by. <laughs> we oh, do not move to make it me. easier. Excuse <laughs> me. Just There you uh, go. All right. If I could just get by yeah. there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. See you later. One second. And, hey. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, it's been real. And um, if nobody stops him, Nolak will peace out. And <laughs> he will, once he gets clear, I think he's going to start running. <laughs> and you'll hear footsteps echo off the metal floors. And start running place. and never stop. He is gone. And Asher just kind of is, this, he's shaking his head and he's, he, he almost seems speechless. He, he looks to his, his friends and says, I have heard this name before, Cassandale. I have no idea her identity as an android or perhaps a sister to the very being we've come to destroy, but... (laughs) And he laughs. I have a letter to deliver her. And he'll take off his hat and kind of stick his fingernail on a seam and draw out a very old envelope that has Cassandale's name written on the outside 
and he'll put his hat back on his head and say, this, this letter came to be in my possession. It's apparently meant to be delivered to her some time ago, perhaps hundreds of years ago. And he'll open it and the letter says, the mountain holds no answers for you. Turn back now. Only death awaits you there. And he shakes his head and just kind of laughs. It's like, well, I don't know if that was the silver mountain or if it means nothing now, but an android. This has been circulating for so long. A good luck letter of some kind, and it's it's meant for for an alien android. But who's who's it from? Yeah, is there a signature or anything? No, but the legend is that some priest of Bry wrote out to deliver this letter to her over a century ago and didn't find her. How did? You get it. It's a long story, but... <laughs> Jeff is going to bed. No. I'm not that far A long <laughs> story that will be told over several two to three minute long flashbacks over the course of the next 30 episodes. The next you may find out years. in book five. No. Um, well, and he'll kind of look at his now masterwork pistol and say, I got this letter from the same place I got this gun a long time ago and unfortunately the gentleman who carried both of these items was deceased and unable to give any answers but I have it on authority of the one who trained me that they don't know I assumed like those before me that it was some person just a person who's Surely long dead by now, but assuming this is that same Cassandale, that was an incorrect assumption. Asher, you're best friends with a android goddess. Best friends? No, that's Brixby. Sorry. Uh, but no, I'd never met this person. I'd just been carrying a letter meant to be delivered. What if we have met her? Do... The rest of you remember the gearsman under Torch, the one that tried to speak to us. What if that was this Cassandra Lee? Trying to communicate to us. It certainly seemed far friendlier than Hellion has shown himself to be, or than this source sounds like it is. The only option left would be her. Right? No. We don't know how many options there are. We didn't know before this moment who Cassandra Lee was. There's more seats at this table than we can see from where we are. I don't want to necessarily stop this line of thinking, but it's not relevant to right now. Bixby looks nervous. He's just like, I mean, this has been a really important conversation yeah. obviously but I mean we are a room and a half away from 
where two party members nearly died. Mm -hmm. One party member did. And um, so he's just kind of got this, I don't know, he was a little upset by like interacting, I mean, seeing that uh, technically symbol on that individual, but like not really, his only association is, is really like Sandville and how their friendship changed. Um, so, but I, I mean, I think at this point, you know, we don't have enough pieces to speculate. He's lived his entire life in Numeria too. So even if he hasn't interacted with the league, he would have news of the kind of stuff. They oh, do. absolutely. But I mean, yeah. at the same time, I mean, all I've always known them as is don't let them know what you found mm-hmm. inside X or whatever, because Brixby was doing salvage before this. So like, he's aware of who like the Technic league and what power they have. But I mean, I just don't think that, at this point, I mean, we can't even get it straight necessarily who's running the league. Yeah. But we just learned that Hellion has a sister. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have anywhere near enough pieces to start yeah. to put this together. And the clock is ticking. Yeah. Still, and like Brick said, like, it could be like, and we had talked to us this, I don't remember if it was on the, sh- the actual show or if it was just us talking afterwards that, like, if every ship has an AI, there could be hundreds of these th- of these things running around no totally yeah yeah like we don't we have no idea how many of them there are and yeah um, yeah this is interesting i mean the the asher tie to cassandra lee is yeah no that's really interesting, really interesting. <laughs> so satisfying his, and asher for his part his his hands are shaking he like f- carefully folds this letter back in to the envelope She's alive. It's got to be like, imagine like you were carrying around like a letter to some guy named Josh for like 2,000 years. It's been passed through your family and you find out it was addressed to Jesus. Like, <laughs> 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 like that's got to be insane for him to have just found out this thing he's been carrying around is meant to be given to a god. And like he's always just kept it for good luck. Like, he's taken it seriously. He serves a goddess of luck. Mm -hmm. And this has been something that's kind of been handed down around along these gunslingers. And he never thought he would actually deliver it to its intended recipient. So he's, he's, he doesn't know what to say. But he carefully puts the envelope back into the seam of his hat. And kind of folds that pocket back down. And I think as uh, Asher replaces his good luck charm, the unknowably old piece of mail, I'm going to bed. Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. Good night, Sam. against the machine. the Machine is property of Network Against the Machine, LLC, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are property of ISO Publishing. See their website for more details. Theme Against the Machine was written and performed by our own Zach. 
see the show notes for additional music and sound licensing. If you enjoyed the show, we encourage you to leave us a review. Is he actually here? I see a frozen picture. I see her moving. Okay. Yeah, she's moving around mine. (laughs) Okay, I only saw the the totally frozen face for like a long time. Yeah, it's just a printout of Izzy's face she puts up in between her turns. Thought you would notice by this point. I always wanted to do something like that for like the peephole to my office when I had one. (laughs) Of just like, yeah, yeah, it's totally, I'm totally in there working not taking a nap yeah it's like a dryer sheet made out of like three dead crabs (laughs) (laughs) why i don't know sam they ask why this is not ask why (laughs) sometimes you're you don't have any regular dryer sheets and you you don't want your clothes to get all staticky so you just throw a dead crab or three in there and couple couple dead crabs and then you're not so concerned about static just all your clothes Smelling, smelling like, like the cream. Thank you. And no one can see your static clink because no one wants to be around. It's true. I don't want to be around this. Like we're going to lose some <laughs> listeners over this. We need a content warning. Warning: <laughs> ceviche <laughs> scented <laughs> dryer sheets. <laughs> oh God, that's a terrible way to start this episode off. Well, um, yeah, edit all mm-hmm. that out. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Sam. <laughs> Hi, no time has passed. How's it going? <laughs> Sorry, I launched us back into the game. <laughs>